I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. On today's episode, Liz and I dive into a discussion about the importance of making sure we're in a healthy place so we can bring our best selves to the marriage. We talk about all kinds of happy hacks, from physical and mental health to kindness, flow, mindfulness, and gratitude. We wrap up by inviting listeners to discover and use your signature strengths by taking a free strengths assessment. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends, the doctors are in the house. Welcome to the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. I'm Dr. Dave here at Utah State University alongside clinical psychologist Dr. Liz Hale, and we're bringing you the best research, the best resources, the tips, and the tools to help you have the marriage of your dreams. Today, Liz and I decided to dive a little bit deeper into a topic we touched upon a little bit in episode four, where we talked about the, you know, the key to a happy marriage. We talked about um, eight words, these four principles. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the first one where we talk about searching inward. So today's discussion, Liz, it's, it's really going to be more about how a, a happy we starts with a, a happy mm-hmm. me. And so I, I shared this quote. So th- this will kind of get us started, set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. It's by David, uh, uh, sorry, Dr. Blaine Fowers. And he said this, he said, I've become convinced that strong marriages are built on the virtues or character strengths of the spouses. In other words, and I love this, the best way to have a good marriage is to be a good person. So today we're going to tackle some of the top tips. We'll call them happy hacks from positive uh, psychology and neuroscience to help us flourish as individuals. So Liz, really this is about bringing the very best me to the relationship. We're, we're talking about the power of happiness, the power of positivity. So let's kick things off, shall we? You bet. All right. So, Liz, the science is pretty clear on this first one. One of the best ways to improve our mood and our attitude almost immediately is to make sure that we're doing good at these, I call them these, these foundational three, and that is sleep, diet, and exercise. And we often hear, and these are common, right? We hear this all the time, and, and get a good night's sleep, and make sure you're eating right, and moving more, all those things. But it's really true that it's really hard to be a positive, happy person when those are out of whack. When I haven't slept well, when I'm not um, eating well, when I'm really hungry, um, I'm a little bit more cranky. I'm a crankier person. If I'm not taking care of my body, uh, I know those days when I exercise and I start my day by exercising when on those days, I just feel better. And when I feel better, then I can respond better to to people. And so I think foundationally, uh, one of the first things when someone's not doing very well is I ask them, you know, how's the sleep, how's the diet, and how is the exercise? Yeah, yeah. It's so personal too, isn't it? Like my husband has a lot more natural energy than I do, Mm. right? Even his nieces and nephews, we we teased him because um, they would exhaust them before he married me by going to a few Home Depots and a couple Lowe's and then Sam's Club and Costco. He can just keep going like the Energizer Bunny. 
And I've had to really learn that the magic words in my marriage are, I can't. When I, that's really up to me, right? To let him know that I have reached my limit. And I think if I keep going, it's probably not going to be good for either one of us. So I think we have to take some personal responsibility, Dave, right? Only you can really answer for your body and you know how how you're feeling on any given day. And I think we need to be really clear with our partners on that. Yeah, I, I love that, Liz, because it's, and I may have said this before, that rather than the prescription approach, it's like, okay, you need to do it, you know, get on your treadmill for 15 minutes. You've got to eat this. Instead of prescribing something, I like that. It's personalizing the principle. It's taking that and saying, okay, how does this work in, in my life? I, I like that. Yes. You know, when people come into therapy, they, I don't just hear about the emotional symptoms, right? I mm. often hear about the physical ones. You just can't help but hear about poor dietary choices, um, drug and alcohol use or misuse, um, a lack of regular movement, inferior quality sleep, and unmanaged stress. And I've often wondered, Dave, what, what is even more maybe upstream from sleep, diet, and exercise? You know, where did this, what, what came even before this? Um, Lori Santos, I really love her work from Yale. You and I both follow with unhappiness. She's got that very popular class, right? That so many students are clamoring to get into. But she teaches that if you look at people's current happiness level, you see the effects on their health and long, their longevity. So in other words, they did a study of they, they brought people into their lab and they measured their general positivity right then and there. And then they shot in each nostril some rhinovirus, oh, yeah, they, <laughs> which it, is the it, common cold. It made them sick. So that everybody, everybody received the common cold. Yeah. And now the question was, who would get sick? Uh, the happy people, those who were a little happier or the unhappy ones? Want to guess what they found out? It was probably those unhappy people. Is that right? Yep. What they found out that people in the not so positive mood category, they called it, were, were three times more likely to get sick. Wow. So that's fascinating. Our day-to-day -day habits, they reflect how we feel about ourselves and the world around us. So I'm always interested as a psychologist and you too, probably Dave, about our thoughts and our emotions, our, our mental health and our well-being, which affects what we choose to do every day. It affects how we sleep, what we choose to eat and our movement. So bottom line is we know when we think negative thoughts and allow the actions of others to influence me without putting a little barrier around myself, we're going to bring stress into our body. And we all know stress kills. You ask any family physician, what, what do they say that 90% of their day is dealing with when, when people come in? Hmm. What is it? Stress. Typically stress. Stress, yes. Anxiety, depression. But it's all built around, around stress. When we can feel calm and content and in control of our lives, the opposite is true. We just become healthier. We act healthier. When we feel truly happy and deeply Satisfy with our lives, the direct consequences for our health, I think, are just profound. Here's what I've personally found, Dave, is that my happiness is heavily influenced by how I treat you, ah. how I treat my husband, yeah. how I treat others. That determines how I feel about me. Yeah. So one goes first. Yeah. Oh, man. Liz, I, and I, I, think that this is uh, such a simple concept, but really, if people can understand it, so I think it's important almost to pause here and say, you know, to our listeners, are there areas in your life, in your personal life, that you can tweak, you can create this upward spiral of sorts by moving more, right? Moving more moves our brain. When we move our bodies, it moves our brain, getting it into a, a healthy space, taking time to be able to 
make sure that we're we're okay, that we're doing okay physically, mentally, uh, because it does. It affects our our positivity. So I do. I, I believe that this is really foundational to healthy, happy marriages. This power of positivity, because when we're not doing well, then it, it influences. If you have children, they get kind of the brunt of, brunt of it in your relationships. Your partner does um, as well. So. Huge one. Yeah. I, I think another happy hack, Liz, I want to talk about is uh, actually two of these. And I, and I wrap them in together a little bit. And that's the power of kindness and the power of gratitude. Though These two for me, I think are just game changers. And the reason that I that I lump these together um, is because, Liz, I think that when someone is kind, hopefully we're grateful. So I really see these as two sides of the of the same coin, that there's this power in kindness. Now, of course, being kind to your partner, your spouse, but I'm talking even above and beyond that personally, individually, if this is one of our core values, that we want to be kind, that we want to be compassionate. I remember back in, in episode five, I think, with Dr. Stasny, he talked about how compassion and kindness are the lifeblood of relationships. So when we become a, a kind person, a grateful person, when that's part of us, that's, that's who we are, that when we first think to think, whether that is our, our, our kids coach, right? A football coach or a soccer coach, or that is the, the clerk of the, the grocery store. That's a neighbor. That is simply even the feeling of gratitude. The sunset, we just pause and we feel, we kind of soak in a little bit that feeling that I am so grateful. I have to tell you a real funny real quick because I'll go out on our deck and, and I'll say to our children, and now they make fun of me because they kind of mock me, but I'll say, you know, because we live in such a beautiful world and they, they'll kind of start to laugh. And then occasionally at dinner time, they'll be like, they'll look out the window and be like, dad, we live in a beautiful world because we really do. It's just taking time to notice the the great, wonderful things that are around us. And that makes us more positive, uh, happy person. So kindness and gratitude. In fact, I love this from, from Dr. Martin Seligman. So the father of positive psychology, he, he, he did all kinds of studies and he said that a kind act, doing a kind act, he says, produces the single most reliable momentary increase in well-being of any exercise that they've ever tested. And so if, if you want to be happy, like instantly, do something kind, do something thoughtful, send someone a text or write them a letter or send them a note. Doing something kind makes you a, a happier and a positive person. And then that spills over into your marriage. So the power of happiness. So it's moving, <clears throat> it's moving your words. It's moving your behaviors, right? Yeah. That might lead to moving then your body as well. Yeah. It, it is very true. How I treat you depends on how I feel about me. Yeah. If I wait till I feel like, um, I, I'm, I'm this really good person, you know what I mean? I might, or am I really in a good mood? Let's say that may never come those kind behaviors, but it's funny how kindness doing something kind really changes the heart, right? It shifts us. Yeah. We change our behavior and our feelings follow. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And in fact, one more little note on this, they've done studies of actually just witnessing kindness can improve yeah. your mood, Liz. And yeah. so the, the media that you surround yourself with, you turn on the car and you have this, you know, this, this song that comes on nice. can boost your, your mood. And so all these little things can release this, nice. this dopamine that, that helps us to, to feel better. That is very cool. You know, I, I often have the BYU channel on and I, I really like it. And the um, random acts of kindness, they have a show uh, like that. Love it. You know, that's, that's a really good point of just watching that. It is a very feel good. Those are feel good stories. Yes. Yep. So kindness and gratitude, they can't help but make us feel kinder, connected to our partner, family, and friends. 
What's less obvious, I think, Dave, also is this opportunity to connect to strangers, the strangers that flit in and out of our lives. When you mentioned thanking the grocery grocery clerk, I thought about what brain researchers call this sociometer. You know, this thing in our brains, their job is to scan our social world, and it detects that we are securely connected or insecurely connected. And, and when we're insecurely connected, our self-esteem takes a hit and our stress response is even triggered. So we become anxious and unhappy and at a greater risk of becoming physically ill and mentally ill. These two researchers I followed a little bit, Paul Van Lane and Simon Columbus, they delved into this by having their study participants just simply smile and initiate brief conversations with strangers. And the results were really surprising. These subjects really dreaded doing this. They couldn't, they, they were horrified at the fact of starting a conversation with a stranger because guess what their greater fear was? Oh, yeah. It was rejection. Yeah, rejection. No Absolutely. one's going to want me to talk to them on the bus, on the train, on the plane, right? Or in the grocery store. But it, it just the opposite happened. Smiling and conversing, even with people they did not know, left them feeling connected and appreciated with an overall satisfaction with life. So smile and speak. You get a double dose of that vitamin S. That vitamin S is that social piece, which, um, as we know, loneliness just hurts us. Regular hits of vitamin S are powerful because they offer our subconscious mind this continual sense of reassurance that um, you've got this, this positive connection. Even with strangers, it makes a difference. Smiling certainly lets the sunshine in your soul, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's contagious, like I've heard you say. I can certainly relate to how different it feels to look up and smile versus look down and frown when I'm doing some regular errands, like on a Saturday afternoon, let's say. When I do try to leave a conversation better than I found it, like with the store clerk or someone I'm just standing next to in line, it's funny how that does just give a little boost, boost to myself, you know, just boost to my um the feelings of like, oh, I'm not alone in the world. And, you know, maybe I made someone's day. They certainly made my day better. Liz, I, I love this about smiling. Um, the scholars, some of the researchers have actually called this the 10-5 rule. So here's a little, a little happy hack for our listeners. When you're within 10 feet of someone, smile. And when you're within five feet, say hello. So at the Ritz-Carlton mm -hmm. hotel chain, they're the ones that actually came up with this. They said all their employees, when you see a guest, when you see someone right. in the hall and you're walking down, you're about to pass somebody that you're smiling within 10 feet and you're saying hello within five feet. And this is, this is spread. They've actually done studies now with, with doctors and hospitals and retention rate. Mm -hmm. All of this is a simple little thing that begins with this, the smile and then greeting somebody. I love that. I, I think the same thing even goes for home. I have a colleague of mine who always is talking about um, a smile campaign, you know, really just, just, especially when you first walk in and greet, when we first were married, my husband would always say, he'd greet me in the garage, in the garage, right? As I would pull in and um, he would open the door from the home to our garage and he'd wave enthusiastically and he really wanted me to smile. It was a big deal to him. And I felt, sometimes I felt like, I don't feel like smiling. I have a really tough day, you know, and just shame on me. Um, but I was happy to see him. So I think we need to let our faces show it to our family members is when they first walk in at the end of the day is a smile. I'm so happy to see you, how grateful we are that we can walk in our homes and our loved ones are walking in, right? Life is so unpredictable and, and short. We don't always, you know, when that is not going to be the case. So anyway, the yeah. smile campaign.
Smile campaign. Liz, I've never thought about that. I, I like that. It reminds me almost of a little bit what um, John Gottman, he talks about that, that harsh startup in conflict. But I wonder if you could almost flip that and say, you know, the first 30 seconds of when you come in the door, or when you greet each other again, and you've been away with, with your child or with your partner, smile, smile, say hello, you know, that that five second hug or that three second kiss or whatever it is to be able to reconnect. But it starts with our body language because you can, you know, there's stress within just two, three seconds. Almost you just see the face and you're like, Oh, okay. Something's, something's not right today. Yeah. Super important. And the, that's a ritual, the rituals, right. Of those connections of what, of the, how yes. we first greet each other or how we say goodbye. I think you're, you're so right, Dave. Yeah. Gottman, he does. He, he jumps on that, that rituals of connection, saying goodbye, saying hello, I think coming back to what we're talking about, this little hacks starts with our, with our smile starts with that vitamin S that I've, I haven't heard that before. Even just walking into a room, right? We have a new opportunity to have a yes. connection, uh, a new hello, <laughs> if you will. I say hello all the time. It's so funny. We both do. As a matter of fact, my husband and I, we both, we walk into a room and say, hello, you know, even though we just saw each other in the kitchen. Yeah. We're just always kind of, I don't know. It's kind of still, no. but. I see you, right? That's what we're saying is I yes. see you. I love you. I yeah, you're you. noticed. You're appreciated. I'm so glad you're yeah. there. Yeah, it you. reminds me of another one. I know we're going, we're going off on this. and I think it's really important. Broadcasting. There's, um, I can't remember the, the researcher wrote a book called almost like broadcasting. And she says, you know, we're always broadcasting something from our faces. I think she used to be a broadcaster. And so she talks about how, how we come across. And I think how we come across to our spouse or partner says so much. It speaks volume. So we're always broadcasting something. We can't not communicate, right? With, with here, just something on our faces, even nice reminder. We'll be right back after this brief message. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. Another happy hack I want to talk about, this power of positivity, this power of, of happiness, is and often overlooked. It's a concept called flow. And, and our listeners, they may have heard of this concept. It actually was developed by men. His name is funny. It's pronounced Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. So, right. I, I, yeah, at least <laughs> from Europe. I love that. So it's the, the scholar who came up. The, the idea really, Liz, is this when we're engaged in an activity where we almost lose track of time. We're so immersed in it. He, he talks about, um, come here, the, the game, it's not chess, but another game that he's involved with where he's so immersed in this, where we use all of our attention, where we're, we're in control, where we're using our, our gifts or our time and our talents in this, 
It, it could be simply cooking, right? Cooking a, a dish for someone or playing the piano. Or for my son and I, Liz, it's about uh, hitting the slopes. When we go snowboarding, there's something about just being on the lift with him. And we are carving through this powder and our, our focus is all there. We're just enjoying this moment. Not No stress, not looking forward to the next day or anything. We're all in right there. And so engaging in, in that, that flow, that opportunity, when it's, it's like when creativity and opportunity, when those things collide, that's really good for us. And it can be by yourself. It can be with your partner. It could be with a child or, or someone else. But that state really improves positivity and happiness. Again, making us a happier person to be around. So it can be right gardening, doing even cleaning for some people. They're so immersed in they, they love it. They put on their uh, their headphone, their podcast, right? They're listening to this right now and they're getting ready for the day. They're just immersed in what they're doing. He says that's a really good state to be in. Now, not all the time. We're we're not meant to be in this state of flow all the time. But he says it's a really good state, and people have this positivity and this um, this happiness when they're in this in this state of of flow. So making time for that, those activities you just really enjoy doing that almost kind of stretch us a little bit. Uh, those are really positive positive things for us. It puts you in a zone or almost, right? A zone. That's it. I've been yeah. trying to practice. I've been trying to practice just with even phone conversations with friends and family members. Used to be a little multitasking, right? I'd clean off a counter or straighten a cupboard. Lately, I'm just really, I'm sitting down on the couch and I'm just having a conversation. Time does get away from me, I will admit. Uh, missed, you know, a little late on a couple deadlines lately, but it is so much more satisfying. And I, to really just draw into that connection, I think I'm far more present and I, I really get something more from that conversation. I really get to use all my senses right there. Yeah. I, the athletes will often call, I, I love sports. And so the athletes will often call this getting in the zone, like you talked about, where they don't even hear the crowd. They're so immersed in this. So Liz, yeah, I hope you don't feel bad about those little moments because those, that's really what life is about are these little moments of connection, of listening, of turning toward our, our partner. Even at work, when my wife will call, I'll literally have to turn away from, from the screen. Sometimes I'll actually stand up and, and walk around in my office, which is really small. So I just walk around this little table, but listening because I want to be all in in that attention, which is actually another happy hack. I, I I think we should talk about Liz, and that is is mindfulness. It is paying attention in the present moment with without judgment. That's it's meditation for some people. For some people, it's it's yoga. But really, I, I was listening to a podcast one time, and he said, you know, the happiest people on this planet are those who have learned to enjoy their day of just pausing. Just taking a deep breath once in a while, a few deep breaths can just put us in a sometimes a better mood, a different state of, of mind. And so I think that mindful people are healthier people and ultimately they're they're happier people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think, Dave, that we can choose happiness? I think that, you know what, happiness is a choice. I'm a big believer in and I don't think I'm not, I don't want to force people because what I, I don't want people to take away from our discussion, Liz, is that you have to be you know, happy, happy all the time. time. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's not what we're saying. When you, when you're feeling sad, be all in sad and experience the, that emotion. But yeah, I think that happiness can be a choice with some of the, the ways that we live our life, our lifestyle. I call it happy habits as well as the, these happy hacks that we can do. So in a sense, yeah, I think we can choose our happiness. Just being here right now, right? No matter what's going on. I think when they have that little bit of lift of like, uh, 
you know, I'm just grateful to be here. Finding, we hear so often joy in the journey, right? J-O-Y. J-O-Y is actually in the word journey. Like, I am only going to go through this once. And what's how do I bring my best self to this situation of an ill husband or a wayward child or suicidal adolescent? How do I bring my best side? I'm I'm here to be all in and I'm going to experience this and give my best self to this individual and this experience as well. Some some people even write down, they, they love to journal. I remember meeting a, a woman who, who literally changed her marriage around. She decided that she was so focused on the negative aspects of her husband. He just irritated her. Just walking in a room just annoyed the heck out of her. And she heard something. Well, I guess she had an experience with journal writing before. Just for herself, she thought, I need to write a gratitude journal just for him, about him. And it's so funny. She did it for a week and then two weeks. And pretty soon he said something really interesting to her one day that just really kind of touches my heart. He said, um, something is different. He goes, oh, are you praying for me? <laughs> are you praying for me? Are you, what, what is going on? And I just thought that was so touching. But her focus really was really much like a, a mantra, a, a prayer, if you will. Of, These are the things I love about this individual. Whatever you and I focus on grows. It just gets bigger. So I can focus on the irritation. There's plenty of them, right? I'll just look around in a messy room even. Um, or there are also those wonder, really wonderful things like, I love this person. One of my colleagues will say, anytime she gets irritated with her husband, she has this mantra of drop and do 10, not 10 push-ups, <laughs> even though that wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't think I could get through one myself, but drop and do, drop and do 10 gratitudes. What do I love about this person? What, are, what is so good about our life together? We're just wired for connection. You know, I, I love, you know how I, I love that Harvard study. I keep bringing it up to you, Dave, where they were tracking people for an incredible 75 years, right? And they found the number one predictor of happiness and well-being over this course of one's life is the quality of their relationships. Nothing else came close, just the quality. Some of these men they've studied are now in their 90s. There aren't very many of these People that started in study 700, I think. Um, but they found three points that to this impressive study that loneliness is toxic. People who are more connected to family, friends, and community. It doesn't have to be a lot of people, by the way. But they're, they're happier and they live longer than those who are less connected. The second point of this study, it's not the number of the connections. It's the quality that matters. Living amidst conflict hurts our health. Living amidst good, warmth, loving relationships is protective. I'm going to just say that line again. Living amidst good, warm, loving relationships is protective. The third result of that study is that good relationships protect our bodies and our brains. People who are in relationships, they feel they can count on. They have memories that stay sharper longer. Just think that's incredible. Yeah, Liz, I I love that study, and we'll put a link I think in our show notes because it's one of my all time favorite TED talks. Robert Waldinger, I think, yeah, this this Harvard study of following. If you haven't listened to it, friends, you need to go listen to this this talk because he does. He talks about how there's one of the strongest predictors of how long and how well we'll, we'll live in this life is the, the the strength of our connections, the those powerful connections, those rich relationships. When we invest in those, so we're talking about not only with our, our spouse and our partner, and that one's super important, but he's talking about 
family and friends and all this that's happening. Do you remember um, during COVID, Liz, that is one of the biggest things, the negatives. And that's why we were the unhappiest that we've been in over 40 years, studies show, because of that lack of connection. Remember what I talked about, that lack of attention leads to loss of connection. We were not being able to connect with, with parents, with our friends and neighbors, loved ones, or those who we go to our faith, or our churches with. We were separated from those. And, and remember I talked about the three needs that we have, safety, satisfaction, and connection. And when we lose that connection with others, or when we're in this, even within relationships, Liz, I think that when we feel this animosity, this resentment, this toxicity, this when we get into a conflict, we kind of lose this lack of connection for a minute. We feel that loneliness and feel that some of that guilt and that shame. And we've had that. We're now that we've got the silent treatment going on. And that, that affects us. It affects our minds. It affects our bodies. So being able to make those repairs and that forgiveness, being able to, to come back and reconnect, I think is super important. You know, it reminds me just a little bit, Dave, of, of parents. I work with a lot of adults, right? Couples mainly. Mm, yeah. But when they talk about um, we're staying in this difficult marriage for our children, for the benefit of the children. And I have to often remind them that, boy, let me tell you this, though, conflict kills kids. So if we can't work with the conflict, I don't know that's going to be any different than divorce. We may as well try to, to divorce and be good co-parents, even though I'm very pro-marriage. The conflict hurts. It hurts everybody in the family. So that's really probably the place to, to start is how do we resolve that? How can we just make peace, peace with our differences? Yeah. Yeah, that, I've seen some studies, Liz, that have shown that when we are feeling that conflict, that emotional pain, mm -hmm. it actually lights up the same same areas of the brain as as physical pain. Yeah, and so that is that, that's painful. That that hurts us, and, and it's real hurt and pain. And so being able to to show that compassion or forgiveness to to commit to work through those those struggles yeah. together, absolutely important, right? A broken heart feels broken. Yes, it? does to the core. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, as we wrap up, there's there's one more I want to point out for our listeners. I, I may have mentioned this one in the past, and I think it's important that they go and, and take this this survey. Um, it's and it's that strengths being able to focus on, discover, and use our strengths. Martin Seligman calls these your signature strengths. And if you take this little, it's a free survey. It's found at, at via or via via character dot org, or you can go to authentic happiness. Dot org Take some time, and it does take some time, 10, 15, 20 minutes even, but it will kick out your top five signature strengths. And these are not things like, like singing and dancing. These are things like <laughs> the ability to love and feel, you know, be loved and forgiveness and curiosity and compassion and mercy, gratitude, all these that we're talking about. Because the happy people know their strengths and they use their strengths. They use them regularly. We manage our weaknesses but we focus on and use our strengths. Interesting. I just remember one of yours was spirituality. You have them written on your computer, right? I, I do. Actually, yeah. As I look down here, those who are watching on YouTube, yeah. As I look down here, literally, and I, and I have my top five strengths, and I've cut them out. I put them in a Word document. And I've cut them out, and I've taped them here because that's how important I think it is to focus on, literally focus on, I see my strengths every mm -hmm. single day, and I say, hey, how can I use my, my strengths to be more positive person? Yeah, you got to say what they are now. You've left. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so you're busting me. So here they are. So my top five strengths are, are spirituality. And it says sense of purpose and faith. That's all one. Yeah. Forgiveness and mercy is number two. Capacity to love and be loved is number three. 
Uh, kindness and generosity is number four. And number five is, is gratitude. So it means that I'm still working on these. These are things that I love. And, and when we focus on our strengths instead of our weaknesses, right? Manage our weaknesses, focus on our strengths. Then I tend to be happier. And people will say, Dr. Dave, why, why are you happy all the time? I say, not all the time. Right? I have nice. my bad days. I do. But I really try to focus on my strengths and, and to see and find the positive, see the good, use the good, feel more of, of the good in my life. And then it spills over, I hope, into, into my relationships. Wonderful. Well, as your co-host, I'm so grateful those are your strengths because I see those alive and well. I don't remember what mine are. I remember the first one, humility. That's all I can remember. And I just remember wanting to swap lists with yours. I liked yours a lot yeah. more than my own. <laughs> but Liz, actually, that shows quite a bit in yours because you're saying humility. And that means that, yeah, hey, you know, I'm, I'm uh, humble enough. I'm not going to tell you even talk about my strings, right? Talk to <laughs> <laughs> I just don't remember them. But anyway, I love that. I think that's great that you remind our listeners about the VIA strengths. Yeah. So as we wrap up this episode on, on being a, a happy me, right, which leads to a happy me, this power of happiness this power of positivity, Liz, let me ask, and we've talked quite, quite a bit. We like to end our shows with, with um, this takeaway of the day. From what, our discussion today, anything you feel like our listeners should take away from you? Yeah, well, you know what? I just, I just keep it again. keep thinking again about moving my thoughts, you know, before mm. I'm going to be able to move my body or my relationships or anything else. I've really got to be able to move my thinking. I have to just be dogged on what's going on up here in my brain and change it immediately. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, super important. I, I think my takeaway today today is, as I've thought about it, is intentionality. With all this stuff, it shouldn't be rocket science. And most of it probably isn't you know really new. Maybe a, a term or a concept or a study or a finding or something might be new. But really taking what you've heard today and intentionally applying it. Because I think sometimes we, we tend to just kind of drift in, in our relationships, maybe in our, in our mood, our attitude, our exercise, our diet. We just kind of drift into this blah sometimes stage and really improving our personal lives and our relationships starts with this intentionality that I'm going to do something different. I'm going to try something different because even uh, trying some of these, these little tweaks, some of these little hacks I think can create, I talked about this upward spiral that can lead to, to more positivity in our lives. And so that's my takeaway is, is be more intentional with that, with, with your happiness, taking more control of your personal life. So then it can allow it to spill over and become a better, more positive person. And that will lead to a, a better positive relationship. Any last closing thoughts, Liz, from you as we wrap this one up? I think you got it. The power of happiness is alive and well. And um, I think very much it is a choice. It is a choice to choose to think that mantra, that thing that inspires you, finding it might be the greatest key. Right. Finding yeah. that thing that reminds me like, oh, I am so blessed to have these connections. Let's see if I'm you know, talking about a work partner or family, even family member where it's like, I think we're disconnected. But I just think we are really connected, though. I mean, my goodness, we're here in this this space and time and we are connected. Sometimes just changing that for myself, Dave, changes my attitude and my behaviors. I really do yeah. think it starts in the mind. It's a choice. It is. Yeah. Well, thanks, Liz. Thanks to our listeners. Speaking Bye. of gratitude, we're grateful for, we're grateful for you. We want to hear more from you. We want to hear what you, you liked. Uh, if there's people you want to have us come on an interview or topics you want Liz and I to discuss, we're grateful. And some of you have done that. Keep reaching out, letting us know. We'd love to connect with you on our social media. Uh, we hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. 
But that's all for now. Please keep doing those little small and simple things to make your relationships better. We'll see. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.